morning, glory and evening, grace, America. It's Hugh Hewitt broadcasting on the special Friday edition of the Hugh Hewitt Show from Thomas Aquinas College, one of those categories of thoroughly Catholic institutions that got rolled by the president on January 20th and which got rolled a second time by the president this morning. Do not be mistaken. What he did today was not compromise, but to temporize. What he did today was to disguise, not reveal. And what he did today will be denounced by the bishops when they get around to it, I think. I hope, I pray that that's the case, and I hope that you continue to be critical, especially to members of the House and the Senate, of uh, this throwdown on people of independent conscience who say they will not participate in sterilization, in morning-after pills, or in contraception generally. But uh, I'm going to take a few phone calls before I go back to my host and the variety of wonderful guests I've had at Thomas Aquinas College. If you're intrigued by what this great book's college is, go to thomasaquinas.edu and investigate. More students coming up, more tutors, more longtime members. But let's start in Cleveland with Luke. Hi, Luke. You're on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome. Hello, Hello, Luke. Yes. Hello, Hugh. How are you? I'm doing fine. And yourself? I'm great. Great. I'm a uh, graduate of the college. Ah, in Cleveland? years ago. How, when did you graduate from here? 1987. Okay, and how did you end up back in God's country? I ended up in God's country um, uh, via a, a route through Wyoming Catholic College. I actually practiced law in uh, the Southwest for 15 years and uh, was a litigator there. Then uh, became the vice president of administration at Wyoming Catholic College. And now I am the uh, headmaster of a small great book school, high school called the Lyceum in Cleveland. Oh, I have met... Uh, maybe I've met you. We've I, met. Yes, we at the uh, at the right to at the right to life deal. I have met you. If you're the headmaster, I remember I, we that. We have well. met, and we'll meet again this year. I will be back there in March for the Right to Life Weekend Symposium, hosted by our friend Molly Smith, whose program can be heard on WHK fourteen twenty every night at nine p.m. Little plug for Molly there. So, are you getting nostalgic because Cleveland right now must be a lot like uh, Santa Paula? <laughs> uh. <laughs> It's cold and snowing here in Cleveland. Did the lake freeze this year? People don't believe me when I tell them that Lake Erie freezes. It hasn't frozen yet. Okay, so what, what is it your mission, uh, how much of your mission is taken from your time at, at Thomas Aquinas? Well, my mission now as the headmaster of the Lyceum is to do a pre-liberal arts curriculum. Our students at the Lyceum study um, Latin and Greek. We read great books with our students. And uh, it's an ideal preparation for, uh, for Thomas Aquinas College. My daughter is there now. She's a graduate of Lyceum. I think we have seven of our graduates there at Thomas Aquinas College. What is the name of your daughter? Sophia. Sophia is standing in front of me. She gave a little wave out, so I okay. thought I would tell you that, that uh, we're doing Sophia, come up for a second. <laughs> say hi to Dad. Well, let her get here first. I just say hello, Dad. Go ahead. Hi, Dad. Hi, Sophia. <laughs> Now, have you done your Thomas Aquinas reading tonight? Um, not quite. I am in the midst of it and thought I would jump down here. But we've got like an hour and a half to go before you're going to... Are you going to get called on tonight? Is that possible? Who knows? Now, uh, are you surprised that your daughter is taking time off from her Aquinas, uh, Luke? <laughs> well, not really. I, I think you're worthy of taking a little time from Aquinas, at least for a little bit. Okay. Uh, Sophia, has this uh, lived up to billing? Are you a freshman, sophomore? What are you? I am a freshman. Okay. So has it lived up to billing? As, were you prepared to come here? I am very prepared, about as prepared as I think I possibly could be. Are you a Cleveland Browns fan? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> what happened? Well, I've only Common lived sense. in Cleveland for two, two, two years. Luke, how could you do this? You know, I was, said... I'm sorry, Hugh. I was born in Pittsburgh. Uh... Oh, my God! 
gosh, this is a total anarchy. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Sophia, good to have you on the program. Luke, thanks for calling, but you're banned forever. Oh, sure. Uh, get, get out of this segment in a hurry, why don't you? Thank you, Luke. I got to go talk to others. That's really, a, that's a treat. That was not planned, America. That wasn't planned. Andy, they'll never believe that in a thousand years. Andy, you're on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Yeah, hi, Hugh. Um, uh, I am a, an atheist with Buddhist sympathies. I, I'm pro-choice, and, and by the way, I'm a Steelers fan. Um, so what is it with this? Thing? Like, that the first part fits with that. A Buddhist right. tendency, atheist, Steelers fan. That all yeah. makes perfect sense to me. However. Yeah, you guys are I'm, damned. No, I said, right. Yeah. However, I'm, I'm complete, in complete agreement with you on this issue. And more than it's, that it's a Catholic on people of faith, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attack on all of us. It's an attack on the Constitution. And I do consider this a, a Bonhoeffer moment. If, if I don't stand with my brethren and sisters of faith, which I don't have, uh, who's going to stand with me when, when they've reached the next freedoms and the next ones and the next ones? We have to stand together on this. You know, I think you're the first atheist who has said that, but I would hope that they would recognize that the First Amendment embraces their right to be as secular as they want, and that therefore they, 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 you wouldn't want to be obliged to say prayers before you got your medical care, right? Right, exactly. And it so far transcends the faith thing. It's a, it's a constitutional issue. It's a freedom, a liberty issue. I agree with you, and I hope uh, I hope the left is listening because that's really very important. Andy, thank you. Let me go to uh, Ruth Ann in North Carolina. Hi, Ruth Ann. How are you? I'm well. Morning, Glory. Hugh. Morning, Grace. Thank you so much for articulating the Catholic position so beautifully. Um, one thing I have not heard anywhere is that I could see definitely the um, government trying to force insurance companies to also provide artificial insemination and in vitro fertilization, which are the exact same moral evil as contraception and um, some of the abortive, more abortifacient kind of things. Well, I don't know that I agree with that. I haven't really thought it through. I don't well, think I agree the with that. Is, the theology is that the marital act is... Unitive, it joins the couple, and it's also procreative, meaning opening, open to life. So if you separate the unitive... Well, okay, uh, Ruthann, I get it, but I'm not sure I agree with it. What I'm getting to is, though, I think you're right as to the fact that if the government can compel an insurance company to provide A, they can compel an insurance company to provide B, and there's no reason why they couldn't compel an insurance company to provide end-of-life treatment, or that's an oxymoron, but end-of-life dosages as well. Once the government can tell an insurance company what it must carry, the government is in fact defining when life will begin and when it will end, and indeed what treatments will be made available, and you are where Sarah Pale had said they would be, back with death panels. Yeah, um, um, our book study is reading Archbishop Chaput's book, Render Unto Caesar, and um, he is calling all of us to be brave in the face of this um, heartless minding. I can't wait to read what he has to say. I expect it will be out in Sunday's Philadelphia Inquirer, and I will keep my eye posted for it. Thanks, Ruthann. Uh, Doug, another Clevelander. Hello, Doug. Welcome. You're on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Yeah, hi. It's Bud. And, uh, well, I'll still talk to you. That's okay. I'm, I'm kind of slow. I'm a Steeler fan. My son is actually in the audience. He's the big, Boy. tall, handsome kid with the bad haircut uh, sitting next to his mom. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my question is, hello? Yeah, you're on, bud. You're not making any oh, sense, okay. but I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'd like you to ask uh, some of the students or, or administrators about what the dating life there is like at TAC. I know it's a lot different than in most colleges. And uh, I'd love I, to give a shout-out. I'll, I'll just let you go, but I'd love to give a shout-out to 
Jude's friends, Pete and Jake and uh, Brian and all his other buddies. Why are are they out here? Yeah, uh, my son's in the audience. He's with he's with some of his friends. He's with Where his are mom. you? Where's I'm this? In Cleveland. No, not his you. I was looking happened. for your son. What's his name? His name is Jude. Jude, I can't. I'm not hearing so good. Is Jude leave? Jude just left. He missed you. Hey, Jude. Oh, that's so bad. All right, bud. We'll put. I'm sure he's going to be really happy to hear his dad called to ask about the dating scene at the college. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be just thrilled with that. Thank you, bud. That is so bad. I think. Oh, I hope that they have a honor your father and mother moment later in the evening because that could be very, very difficult to walk through. One eight hundred five two zero one two three four. Let me remind you of a couple of things, America. I am at Thomas Aquinas College. If you want to uh, participate in uh, the summer program, if you're a high school student, you're saying, "Okay, great books. Not sure it's for me." Uh, give it a whirl during the summer. Give it a whirl out here, and you will love being in Southern California. Just go to thomasaquinas.edu, and you will find exactly what you need there. And at the same time, if you want to help support the college, I'm going to talk with uh, one of the key guys in the development team here after the break. But uh, if you just want to be uh, selfish about it, then play in the round of golf if you're in Southern California over at the Sherwood Country Club on May 21st of 2012, because that is the most exclusive golf course that you have never not played and uh, this is your opportunity to go and do so. Go to thomasaquinas.edu slash golf. And I even made it easy for you by putting up a, uh, a post over hughhewitt.com. I wanted to note one other thing. Three great speeches today at CSPAC. Uh, three, CPAC. There might have been four. I wasn't able to hear any of Newt's before I got to the college. Rick Santorum had a great speech. Mike Huckabee had a great speech. And much to the surprise of many people, Mitt Romney had a great speech. All of them said pretty much the same thing on the issue of immediate concern, which is this attempt by the president to destroy religious freedom. But they also talked more broadly, broadly about the economic mess that we are in, the defense mess that we are in, and the first principles mess that we are in. And I think we're back to the, the key recognition that is between Rick Santorum and Mitt Romney, there isn't a lick of difference politically or ideologically. It's really going to come down to who wins that presidential campaign easier if they both can win. Uh, more coming up after the break. Peter DeLuca joins me as we broadcast a special Friday edition from thomasaquinas.edu, the College of Great Books. Welcome back, America. to you at Broadcasting Today. On a day the president is talking about Catholic institutions from such an institution, Thomas Aquinas College is a great books college 40 years young. It is its 40th anniversary this year. One of its founders, its past president, one of its tutors, Peter DeLuca, is with me. Uh, Peter, thanks for hosting me today. It's great to be on your campus. Well, thank you. We're very glad to have you here. What were you thinking about 40 years ago? The disintegration of Western civilization and how to stop it. That little ambitious. So really, that was, <laughs> that is what, because you're one of the founders and a group of you guys sat around. It was what, four guys, five guys? Uh, well, the initial conversation, there were, I think, uh, four people present, but uh, there are there were actually seven founders you know that is remarkable that seven people talking or four people talking 40 years ago could bring about this campus and this student body and that chapel next door yeah it's very uh it, it is very unusual too in in america most colleges are founded by churches or governments um, or sometimes by one very wealthy individual uh, this college was founded by a group of college professors who basically didn't have two nickels to rub together but you weren't daunted? 
well, we did it. I, I don't want to say we, we, we didn't have second thoughts. How did you feed yourselves originally? I mean, how did, <laughs> how did you make a dime? Because can you imagine seven guys say, hey, yoo-hoo, we're starting a college now? Well, we were able to enlist uh, a number of, uh, of, of um, people from the community who believed in what we were trying to do and its importance, and they, uh, they were able to donate enough money to keep us going. Now, when people call you up, for example, there's a new mm-hmm. Catholic college in San Diego called John Paul II or John Paul the Great College. Mm-hmm. Uh, when someone calls you up and says, Peter, I'm going to start a college, what do you tell them? Um, well, usually... <clears throat> What I'd like to do is talk to them about the substance of what they're doing. But mostly when they call me, they want to know the, 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 the bricks and mortar, the uh, mechanics. Of how did you get it. from here to here? Right. How do you do it? Not, not what is education? Yeah. So how did you do it and what is education? <laughs> well, the, that's an interesting set of questions because they really came together. Um, the first and most important thing that we did was to write what we thought education was in a little document called A Proposal for the Fulfillment of Catholic Liberal Education. Otherwise known as the Blue Book. Right, otherwise known as the Blue Book. We, we published that in 1969, and, <clears throat> and we uh, sent it out to a lot of different people for comment. Um, one of the things that happened was that... Um, we had a meeting of, of people to discuss it. And one of the people who came to that was Russell Kirk. And Russell went back and wrote a column in National Review about the project. And uh, we got about 150 letters uh, of interest, mostly from unemployed college professors. But, but that was the beginning of, uh, of uh, what became the, the mailing list, our, our, our constituency. And... Uh, now, who is that constituency today, other than the students, obviously, or who are here now, mm-hmm. you're here and now, but who is that constituency? Who are you serving? Well, the constituency are people who believe in the project and who are, and in a way, the way we did that was we, we had to sell the project to a lot of people who could donate money to support people and individuals and foundations and so on. And we had to build a sort of quasi-alumni because most colleges are supported by their alumni. Uh, we started out, of course, without an alumni. Right. And um, so, forty years in, is that group of alumni wholly committed? Do you think? To well, I, I think so. Yeah, I think last year we had something like sixty-five percent of them donate. So it is very. It's, it's it's that's really very high as colleges go. So, so. given your forty-year project. And this is unique for you to answer. When the president comes out and says, now these Catholic institutions aren't really Catholic, what do you think about that? Um, well, it certainly doesn't apply to this institution. Uh, we are really Catholic. Um, I guess um, this whole controversy make, bring, reminds me of a visit I made a number of years ago to Independence Square in Philadelphia. And, there's a small Catholic church near near there where I went to happen to go to mass and at the back of the church um, there's a plaque that tells you that this is the longest the the oldest continually operating Catholic church in America and the reason it tells you is because when the King of England ordered all the Catholic churches in the colonies closed 
William Penn said no. William Penn, the Quaker, said no. No, we're not going to close it. And they didn't close it. And the reason was because he said this colony was founded on the basis of religious liberty. And it seems to me that that's an absolutely American value. And it's right at the core of of what makes this country uh, great and viable. And I think that this this uh, attempt to establish secular humanism as a religion um, is uh, un-American. There is a great man in Philadelphia who's a great friend of mine. Uh, you probably know him. I'll give you his name off there. Who had, with whom I have been engaged in a conversation. Does the president know what he's doing, or is he simply the most inept president ever? What do you think? Well, I think what he's doing is consistent with the um, policies he's generally um, argued for. I think um, politically, it was pretty inept. But but do you <laughs> do you think he set out? to injure religious freedom? Or did he blunder in here by trying to no, build political constituents? I, I don't think he thinks religious freedom is... is I think he thinks... Re, I don't think he thinks religious freedom is is um, a great value. I think he's, he's, he's got other things in mind. So um, he, he knows he's running it over, but he doesn't care. I think he can't... Well, he certainly mistake. knows he's running it over, yeah. Okay, now, in terms of... The, the church, which you've also served all these 40 years, do you expect that they will stand in resistance to this any longer than they already have or as sharply as they already have? Well, I've been certainly pleased by the strong reaction of the bishops. Um, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't know how they'll react to this, uh, to this funny uh, statement this morning, which, doesn't, which seems to be a distinction without a difference. Uh, that phrase has been used a few times. Yeah. That's what you study. And you're teaching it's, Aquinas tonight. Yes. Do you think that Aquinas would say, and you're teaching Aquinas online, <laughs> do, do you think that the, the great doctor of the church would say that what happened today was an attempt to deceive? I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't attempt to speak for St. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got you there, Peter. You almost gave me an answer at that point. 40 years hence, what do you think this place will look like? I hope it'll look just like it does now, except... Uh, um, probably a lot older. And what of, of what are you most proud after four decades? Just, of- just of the, well, I'm most proud, I think, of the students that have graduated from here, the the alumni, um, and the the good lives they live, the happy the, the happiness that they um, that they have, and the good things they're doing for the community all across America. Peter DeLuca, congratulations. It's really an astonishing place, and I just died uh, humbled by what you've achieved, you and your seven founders and the Holy Spirit and the work of all of your faculty and staff. It's remarkable. Thank you. I'll be right back, America. Some of the students are my next guests here at Thomas Aquinas College. It's the Hugh Hewitt Shucks and Catholicism in Southern California. Stay tuned. It's the Hugh Hewitt. 34 minutes after the hour, America. It's Hugh Hewitt broadcasting today from Thomas Aquinas College up in Santa Paula, California. It's a great book school. It's thoroughly Roman Catholic. Three students joining me now. Rachel Matthey is from Canada, right, Rachel? Got to get real close to the microphone. Where in Canada? I'm from Ontario. Like That's an not hour. close enough. Really <laughs> close to the microphone. I'm like an hour from Toronto, just near the border in Ontario. Okay, and you are a senior. I am. And what are you doing next year? 
I am not sure about that. I'm thinking about looking into nursing. So. All right, let's go next to Peter Lafave. Is it Lafave or Lafave? That's uh, actually Lafave. Lafave. And you're from Minnesota. Well, I was born in Minnesota, and then I moved to Butte, Montana, when I was about five years old. But too, oh, too, moved up. <laughs> <laughs> too rapid of a lifestyle there in Minnesota. I wanted to slow down, huh? And what, are you a junior? I am a junior. Peter yes. Lafave. 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 I yes. get every name wrong. That's get, all right. That's no worries. Name. And then let me talk to Chris Sebastian. Chris, you are also a junior. Get close to the yeah, microphone. Yeah, I'm also a junior. I'm where, from uh, Michigan. I'm about sorry to hear 20 that. minutes west of Detroit. <laughs> which which city west of Detroit? Uh, Livonia. That's near Ypsilanti. I used to run through Ypsilanti yeah, a lot. There. So. Are you a Wolverines fan? Uh, no, I'm definitely a Michigan State fan. You're a Sparty. Yeah, now, why definitely. is that? Uh, well, kind of. I got sick and tired of Michigan fans. They're kind of arrogant. I'm with you. Good, good, good. All right. So why are you three here? Well, We'll start with you, Rachel. Why are you here? I visited when I was a junior. Um, my sister went here. I went to classes. I just thought this sounds like the best possible thing I could be doing, talking about the things I really care about, thinking about them, just focusing my whole energy into thinking about these really important questions. Did your mom or dad push you this way, or is this an independent decision? I wouldn't say they pushed me this way. Um, it's a lot of money for them, but uh, I think... They definitely supported me. All my siblings have gone here in the interest of full disclosure, so they definitely weren't stopping me. You know, I, I, Anne told me it was free, so I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Lef not true. Pete Lefebvre, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I, uh, I always kind of wanted to pursue the truth, and um, I heard about this school from a family friend, and I wasn't quite sold on it until I came to the... Time out. What do you mean you wanted to pursue the truth? Well, you know, um, I, was, I was homeschooled, and I was using a homeschool curriculum designed actually by a Thomas Aquinas College graduate. It's called Mother Divine Grace. And we read the great books um, in that curriculum. And I kind of got the sense that there was this universal thing, you know, capital T, truth, out there. And, um, you know, I read about the school, and I realized that you know, here they're studying the great books. They're going straight to the curriculum. And I kind of, I, I visited the school and uh, participated in the great books summer program. Ah. And I, um, I, I realized that going straight to the text was really, uh, you know, beneficial. And, um, you know, I fell in love with the program and, you know, I'm thoroughly enjoying it and loving it. Did I just mispronounce your name again? <laughs> yes, Because Dwayne just gave me... Lafave rhymes with save and rave, so now <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. what producers do. All right. Christian, how about you? What are you doing here? Um, uh, basically the same thing as Pete. I was also at his summer program, the junior, our junior year of high school, um, and fell in love with the place. I did. So when you language. arrived here, take me back, and you see each other. I mean, what? And you're looking. Are you two good pals? Oh yeah, we're pretty good. I, pals. I, I get it. So you're looking around. What do you expect to find when you come to the summer program? Like geeks are us, or or <laughs> well, total. Not to say or that what? because you should have seen me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's kind of cool to see the the kinds of people that truth attracts. It's not just the kind of dorky homeschoolers like we are. Uh, uh, it's it's really people from all walks of life that really want to pursue the truth. Okay, what's it done to your life of faith? Uh, it's really just strengthened it. Seeing that there is some end out there that we're really basing and push everything towards. Uh, that it's not just random, randomly ordered this world, but it's, there's an order behind it, and it's, it's something that we're actually finding out. Pete Lefebvre, what's it done to your faith? Yes, well, you know, it's definitely strengthened it. Um, you do the fact that, as you can see here at the school, there's a beautiful chapel, and in that chapel uh, offered daily are four masses. And so being in a strong community with such good uh, tutors and students and faculty, 
and close access to the sacraments, it's, you know, it's definitely strengthened my faith. And, a question uh, for each of you. Will you be surprised if your college uh, submits to the insurance policy promulgated by the president today? Rachel. Yeah, I would be surprised. Uh, why? It's hard for me to imagine. Um, the college, it seems to me, has never compromised on its principles, pretty much. Seems like that's the defining thing about this place, is that they've really stuck to the blue book, stuck to what we believe in, to the Catholic faith. It's hard for me to imagine having to be forced to go so far against our principles. Pete? I totally agree with Rachel. If we call ourselves a Catholic institution, um, a Catholic institution does not compromise on its principles, and you know, we simply will not you know, be forced to go against our conscience. Chris? Yeah, there's no way that we would ever divorce our principles from action to idea. You see the people here. They aren't people that just have these ideas of truth and goodness and just have it like placed up on a pedestal. They're people who are striving to attain. Any of you uh, pursuing a vocation? It's always, it's always a possibility. Welcome back, America 2, here at 44 Minutes After the Hour, enjoying my day at Thomas Aquinas College, joined now by Jeffrey Lehman, who is one of the tutors here, and also remarkably from Ohio, which accounts for his good looks and grace, and <laughs> a graduate of Biola, where you taught. Jeff, good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank now, you're you a Catholic coming. convert. That's right. Tell people quickly your journey of faith from Methodism sure. to Biola to Catholicism. Wow. We'll, we'll try to make this. Got to get close to the microphone. Yeah, it, it, uh, it was about a 10-year process, and so uh, it involved a lot of reading, reading the Church Fathers. Uh, also, as I was pursuing truth in those early church documents, uh, we also started to look, my family and I, at uh, more liturgical manifestations of the Protestant faith. So we kind of edged ever more close to Episcopal and then Anglican um, uh, faith. And uh, I was in the process of uh, being formed to be a, an Anglican priest when I realized that things were headed in the direction of, of the Catholic faith. Now, that's interesting. My friend uh, over in Arizona who teaches at Great Hearts did the same thing. He was studying for the Anglican priesthood, Eric Twist, when he became Roman. Okay. Now, my question is, you taught at Biola as well in that's their great right. books, and you've survived knowing J.P. and, and, and John Mark. So that's yes, good. Indeed. You got out of there in time. How do you compare the great book students at Biola with the great book students at this thoroughly Roman Catholic institution? Yeah, that's a very good question, Hugh. Uh, the students at Biola are in an honors institute. So from the beginning, they're taken from the larger uh, university population, and they tend to have very high SAT scores and, and kind of a, a select group. Uh, so the way they uh, come about you know, coming to the institution is a little bit different. Um, whereas here, everyone has the same curriculum. You go to lunch and everyone has either read what you've read or they're beyond what you've read. <laughs> and so the, the possibility for common conversation is, is much larger here. Um, I, another difference is the way the classes run. Uh, they do have something called meditories there, as I'm sure you're aware. But for the most part, the curriculum is all at the same pace. Here we make a clear distinction between tutorials and seminars. In the tutorials, it goes much more slowly, and so we'll go through a passage of Aristotle or St. Thomas or, or whatever the, the tutorial might be upon, and uh, we'll go through that just line by line. The seminars are in the evening, and that's at a much quicker pace. So they may be reading one, two, or 300 pages, let's say, for an evening, and then discussing that. Who and works harder, the Biola students or the Thomas Aquinas students? Uh, 
<laughs> that's hard to say. That's hard to say. I, I think each of them imply themselves well at, at you know at, at what they've got to work with there. But I, I really do like uh, TAC's approach because it enables you to really dig deep into this, the you know, central text. Now, of philosophy I, I, and I really want to ask you, since you are an Ohioan by way of Methodism, evangelical institutionalism, uh, tutored by J.P. Moreland, John Mark Reynolds, Orthodox, and here you have ended up converting to Catholicism. On the issue of the day, mm-hmm. ought there to be any difference between all of these denominations you have experienced and the reaction to the president's policy? No, unequivocally. They should take the same stance, it seems to me. Why? It's a fundamental question of religious freedom and freedom of conscience to be able to look to the truth and to look and, and see how that relates to, to what the just thing is to do and to be able to act upon that. So that kind of coercion should be something that gets under the skin of anyone from any of those different... And is uh, it a close call? Do you believe that any serious philosopher and constitutionalist would have to come to that decision? I'm not sure I understand the question. Is it, I, I think this is an easy question, mm-hmm. and I think the media is misrepresenting it as oh, yeah. a complicated right. question. No. I think it's very easy that you can't make a place like this do a thing like that. It certainly is a very easy question. Ah, interesting. What is the, um, the most surprising thing that people who are listening, thinking about coming here, ought to know? Well, one of the things that I was surprised the most by when I first visited the college was the incredible grace that I found here, Um, the humility and the charity with which you see people interact with one another. You see it in the classroom. You see it around the the dining table. You see it everywhere you go. It's very contagious, and it's very beautiful. What a winsome thing to say. (laughs) With that in mind, I want to thank who's sitting next to you, Ann Forsyth, who set this up. Ann, thank you for inviting me to your campus and making this happen. You're very welcome here. We've been delighted to have you. It's really a bunch of remarkable students and a bunch of remarkable faculty. No wonder. How long have you been working here? Uh, almost 12 years. And, and never a dull moment, I'm sure. Never. All right. Thank you. I just wanted to say that on air. It's very Thank kind of you. Thank you very much. Jeff Lehman, in terms of the, uh, the, the tutorial tonight... Yes. Are you participating in that? Yes, indeed. And so are you in the front of the room or in the audience? We'll be there. Basically, we're uh, tutors for the all college will be together. So we'll have two tutors in the room with the students. And so yeah. where are the tutors? Uh, either end of the table, typically. Yeah, but right there in the conversation. So it's, so it's broken up. There are two tutors in every room and you just mix all the students up. So That's what's correct. the question you're going to start your tutorial with? Oh, it's too early for that. There are all kinds of students here behind me. Then we give them a head start on things. Well, why, why would that be an advantage to know? <laughs> well, what you don't want to do is kind of have that kind of thing start to work through conversations that you would have before class and then uh, have it short circuit the kind of lively dialogue that you could get in class, right? So typically, they don't know what they're going to be asked until the class begins. Okay, then let me ask you, what is your objective for this evening's class? Well, I want us to see clearly into uh, what St. Thomas has to say about lying, the careful distinctions that he makes, and hopefully have that lead to our own faith and practice. You know, a a great theologian friend of mine, Dr. Mark Roberts, wrote a book on this. He said, you can never lie. Does Aquinas (laughs) agree with that? Yes. That was hesitant. Yeah. Is it hesitant well, on his part? He makes careful distinctions on As this. to what and is so a lie. What, what constitutes a lie. Right. But you can right. never lie. Yeah. How does that apply to Washington, D.C.? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> on both parties, though, right? It's not like, it's like, That's right. it's simply not. And what about our framing? Did our founders lie? No. No. You don't think so? 
When they assembled, when we tricked the framers into going to Philadelphia to think that they were doing a commerce clause and they came out with a constitution, mm. <laughs> was that a deception? I'm not familiar with. Okay, well, the Annapolis Convention said, let's go, let's have a trade gathering in Philadelphia in the summer of 1787, and they go up and they go into secret and they come out with a constitution, and then the whole country is surprised, shocked, some are thrilled, some are outraged, the anti-federalists. Did they lie to get mm-hmm. to what they needed? Was that just? Just a little question at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a lot to process. I don't know. Okay, don't know. think about it. I think yeah. that's a good seminar. Yeah. Okay. Anne, do you have an answer to that? Well, you might distinguish between a deception and a lie. We'll find that out tonight. Thank you. Thank everyone from Thomas Aquinas. One more segment coming up. Joe Tarzana Joe joins me. Don't go anywhere, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. Still praying about it. I don't know. (laughs) 55 minutes after the hour. Thank you, General Eastmo, and thank you, Adam Youngman. Of course, Nick and Breck down in the studio, and uh, Sinister Dell, thanks to you as well. Tarzana Joe joins us for a bit of verse to send us off into the weekend. Hello, Joe. Hello, Hugh. The poem is quick and to the point, and it goes something like this. After long reflection, I've concluded that it's strange. They never told us what they meant by fundamental change. Perhaps no gift of rhetoric would ever be persuasive to make the populace embrace displacement so pervasive. Remember, dearest listeners, if change is going to last, you have to learn to wait what's up until the bill is passed. So if the church complies with what the HHS requires, they'll have to upgrade coverage for their faculty and choirs. They'll have to get in line or else renounce a sacred vow. The question all are asking is, why would they do this now? Perhaps internal polling shows they just won't get the votes. And thus, before the year is out, they'll jam it down our throats. Just a minute. Stop the presses. Being wonderful and wise, the White House has announced a stellar, brilliant compromise. I guess it goes to show, no matter how they've led us leftly to get themselves elected, they will try to pivot deftly. So stand and raise your voices, hold your ground, and make a fuss. To get where they're headed, they will have to come through us. That's a little reflection by Tarzana Joe. Available at tarzanajoe.blogspot.com. As soon as I get home from through the traffic. All right, my friend. Thank you, Joe. And thanks to everyone at Thomas Aquinas College. They have been a really wonderful group. I remind you, if you want to participate in the golf tournament, that link is over at hughhewitt.com. If you want to participate in building a great institution, uh, go find Peter DeLuca or one of the other people who support Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I have a minute here. So Pete LaFave, come back here for a second, would you? Pete LaFay is one of my guests. How do you discern a vocation? Uh, well, you know, there are many types of vocation. There's, uh, there's a vocation. You know, the word, the, the word vocation comes from the Latin voco, which means to call. And so there's a calling to the priesthood. There's a calling to the married life. And there's a calling to single religious. And so how you discern that is, uh, th- you know, through prayer and contemplation and, uh, you know, trusting God's will. You and Christian might be talk show hosts. <laughs> Just saying. Just yeah. Be aware. Well, the media is a calling, you know. You know, we might uh, you know, we might start an AL Central talk show. Host, no, don't, yeah. no, don't do that because then you'd be watching the Indians all the way through. That's what I called you back for. You're the Tigers fan. I'm the Twins fan. Oh, okay. Wait, Chris, but at least you got you're his, the Tigers fan. Come back here, Chris. But at least you got his name right. We don't care about the Twins because they're not competitive. But oh, uh, Go Tigers, baby. But Verlander, I mean, you, you got it all writing on one pitcher, right? Uh, it's That's ridiculous. It. It's 
it's just and so getting fielder now is unbelievable. And, and so you're trying to buy, but you know the Angels went out and you will bow. Him. You will bow before New York, the Angels. The Yankees you know. West. There's no reason yeah, playing. It's, it's is there? It's gonna be ridiculous between you and the Rangers. Uh, it's gonna be a. Tight Doesn't race. make any sense. The Rangers are they? Are they still in the league? <laughs> <laughs> On that baseball note, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks to everyone who participated today. I'll be back in studio, and we'll follow what the bishops did, the president said, what Romney, Santorum, and Gingrich did all on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Good night. All right, coming right back. Don't want to put you on the spot or anything. That's the Hugh Hewitt Show.